You are listening to a special edition of the Action Figure Blues podcast brought to you by actionfigureblues.com. This is the AFB Q&A with Justin Nidal Ashford. Well, welcome everyone, and thank you for listening to another edition of the AFB Q&A. If you haven't listened to a Q&A episode before, this is not a regular episode of the AFB podcast. This is our interview format that we've set up to be able to learn a little bit more, first of all, about each of our hosts of the AFB podcast, and then ultimately we'll be using this format to talk to other collectors or other people out there in the industry. This idea came from feedback that we had from the early episodes of the AFB podcast that you might like to get to know us a little bit better in terms of who we are as collectors, um, where our interests started and where they lay now. And we are enjoying having this opportunity to talk to each other. And this episode I have with me our friend Justin. How are you, Justin? Good. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for having oh, me. Well, it's a pleasure. Um, thanks very much for submitting to this process. It can be a little bit daunting to have to talk about yourself. How are you feeling? Fine, fine. It's it's okay. I'm sure I'll get through Good it. Good on you. Well, look, just just to break the ice, we're going to start with a set of ten quickfire questions that we've called the Toy Box Ten, that are going to test your knowledge about yourself and your collection. So let's get started with the Toy Box Ten. Well, to start off with, we want to find out a little bit more about our guests and their collection, their collecting habits. So, Justin, I'm going to start by hitting you up with the Toy Box 10 just to get to know you a little bit better. You ready? Ready as I'll ever be. Excellent. Here we go. First okay. off, the first toy of any type that you remember having. Okay, it'd have to be the Smurfs. I mentioned in a podcast a few weeks ago that my father would collect Smurfs for me every time we went to get petrol at uh, BP service stations in Australia. <laughs> and Smurfs were my first... <laughs> That's awesome. Your favourite toy from childhood? Uh, I have to go with Snake Mountain. Uh, when I got that, it had the microphone and the and the little uh, bridge section, and finally Skeletor had a home as well. So I'd have to say <laughs> Snake Mountain for me. Fantastic. Your yeah. favourite character anywhere in pop culture? Ooh, uh, Thomas Magnum Pi. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And um, we'll see whether or not the answer to this one is different or not. Your biggest <laughs> pop culture celebrity crush? Oh, and that, that's – there's a fair few. <laughs> if I have to narrow it down, do you remember Shawnee from Baywatch? Oh, for, yes. For a couple of <laughs> yes. have to be Erica Elniak. Uh, Elniak, yeah. I, think Elniak I think, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Good choice, good choice. Thank you. Star Wars <laughs> or Star Trek? Uh, Star Wars, Okay. definitely. Uh, an item that you'd call a holy grail, something you'd love to add to your collection? Yeah, only because I know that probably – We'll have no chance to get it, and that's a Volcana from Justice League Unlimited mm. to complete the line 100%. Mm. 
mm-hmm. um, or can basically obtain everything else except that. And of course, how, but that's not going to happen either. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, not going to happen. It's a bit of a, a silly thing to have to count as a holy grail, isn't it? To th- it a is. three and three quarter really inch is. figure that <laughs> just never got released properly. No. Your favourite pop culture related movie? Um, probably Blade Runner. I collect a fair few things from that movie. I have the working original script. Wow. Yeah, a few um, and a few books on the subject matter and how hard it was to actually make that movie. So I'd have to say Blade Runner. There you go. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Are you out as a collector? Yeah, as as out as I guess to family and friends. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> The people that matter anyway. The people that matter. <laughs> Your favourite Ninja Turtle? Oh, Michelangelo. Okay. He's a party dude and he has nunchucks, so <laughs> good combination. Good combination. And uh, your dream toy line that's yet to be made? Oh, well, I don't want to sound repetitive, but probably Blade Runner would be good to see in a six-inch format. You can get uh, a bootleg called Android Hunter. That is, uh, I think it's a, a Chinese-based toy. Has no official logos or anything, but that's the only basic thing you can get from Blade Runner. So a six-inch line based on that movie, I think, would go pretty well. Fantastic! Bit of a yeah. bit of a theme there. Mm. Fantastic! Look, you've survived the toy box too. <laughs> Good job. Hopefully, not too painful. No. And uh, we'll be back with our main interview. Okay, Justin, well, now it is time to settle in and have a chat and start to get to know you and who you are as a collector a little bit better. Um, I thought maybe just a good place to start is just a a bit of a, you know, potted history of Justin's childhood and where um, the inspiration for the things that you collect now first came in. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, I was a bit of a, a TV addict when I was a child. I, I, I guess I don't proudly admit that, but I was. <laughs> um, <Really>? I, <laughs> I would basically um, Monday to Friday, I'd, I'd be home, and then the weekends, I'd um, go and stay at my grandmother's house because she had really bad arthritis, and I'd help her with her general chores. And part of our big thing was a Saturday night to uh, settle down and watch like the A Team and Magnum together. Wow. That kind of thing, and that's um, basically how I got into it. And she, she would give me um, pocket money. I think it was like two dollars in those days, and I'd, I'd rush off to the newsagent to find out uh, what issues were for sale. <laughs> and I'd go up there, and um, I didn't. I, it was it was sort of non-linear. If I if I saw something with artwork that I liked on the cover of a of a comic, that's how I'd. Uh, that's how I'd ascertain if I was going to buy it or sure. not. And it yeah. was, at that stage, would buy um, Mad Magazine as well. So how old were uh, you when you um, were doing this with your grandmother? Probably the earliest memory I have is uh, 83, so I was about eight or nine years old. Wow. That's, so, a, that's a bit of a yeah. responsibility for someone that age. Yeah, and it was it was a two-way street, keep in mind. I also had my best friend lived around the corner. I'd uh, I'd... We lived in uh, the eastern suburbs, so we lived at Bondi, 
and my best friend and my grandmother lived in uh, Paddington. So, and for so people that aren't from Australia, we're talking Sydney. Yeah, yeah we are eastern suburbs yeah. of Sydney. So, yeah, it was a bus ride after school, and stayed at the weekend and catch the bus home on Sunday. <laughs> and that's how it sort of all started, I, I guess, if I look back on I it. I can imagine that that would be some pretty kind of special childhood memories. It definitely was because I had a huge amount of freedom. Um, and I don't want to sound like an old fuddy-duddy, <laughs> but um, in, in But we're, we're in dads, that, so we are now. It's our like, job to be fuddy-duddies now that we're dads. So, yeah. <laughs> that's right. I had a, a hell of a lot of freedom to... Um, she lived right next door to a hospital as well, so ha- having those days, the hospital being your uh, base or your fort and being able to spend all weekend with your best friend running mm. around running amok in the hospital grounds, <laughs> it was uh, it was good That's fun. fantastic. <laughs> and how long did that go on for? Oh, well into high school. Um, probably about 15 or so, and then obviously you don't want to be seen hanging out with your grandma. <laughs> 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 so you start to get a bit more selfish, which is like any teenager. You, you can probably uh, anyone listening relate to out there. You, just, you start you start to discover other kinds of uh, interests. Yes. Uh, a lot of surfing was involved, uh, football, um, girls, and just basically hanging out with your friends mm. as well. Um, from a wider sort of, uh, you get to meet a lot of different people when you start high school, as everyone knows, and you sort of have your different sort of. Uh, groups and and that's when it sort of branched off away from spending weekend at Nans to a weekend with yes. your friends. So so in that you know kind of teenage period where did uh collecting or you know comics film fit into that? I still think um well it's sort of I was collecting Star Wars for ages and obviously had grown too old to still be interested in Masters of the Universe. Um, and then I discovered uh, novels. So I was a huge fan of um, Stephen King, especially his uh, Dark Sling, the um, Dark Slinger yes. series, uh, the Gunslinger, yep. I should say, Dark Tower series. Um, and unlike most people, <laughs> when you started reading it, then you actually had to wait for the for the books to come out every three to five years. You know, <laughs> on Stephen King's whim, yes. you were hanging out for this book, and then you had to go back and reread. Um, and film took over a lot as well. Like I became a huge um, sort of movie buff and loved to go and, like I mentioned before, Blade Runner script. There was a script shop in in the city that I used to go and have a look at scripts and try and pick up a few scripts to read because you'd find this was before, keep in mind, before DVDs came out with extended scenes course, and cut yeah. scenes. Yeah. So if you read a script and you think, oh, I wonder if they actually filmed this scene which didn't make it to the movie, and that's... I sort of drifted away from comics for a while and then, um, yeah, got back into it later on, um, but not until a few years later. So when you say later on, um, yeah. you know, what brought you back into reading comics? Um, I I used to still get, um, there was a comic magazine, I can't remember the name of it, and in, in the back I did it for the movie stuff as well, so... They'd say what movies were announced based on comic book heroes who were meant to be coming out. Mm. So I still kept an eye on the comic scene just just from that point of view. So um, getting back into it, I guess, would, would have been after my teenage years, so again, early 20s. I remember picking up in my late teens, I think, when Dark Horse took over Star Wars for okay. a while. 
they released a mini series, and you know, I think it was the gap between, or just after Return of the Jedi. I think Darth Vader was dead, and Luke had been, um, had joined the Emperor or a clone of the Emperor. I can't remember the actual book. I'd have to go back and have a look, and got back in the comics from from that point on. Uh, but it wasn't mainstream stuff either. It was um, well stuff that no one had heard about at that stage. Though I thought stuff like the Tick. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh, no one's ever, no one, no one knows about this. So it was, <laughs> this is, this is my it was actually Star Wars that got you reading yes. comics as a young adult. Yes, hmm. and in between that time as well, when it was a dark sort of period for Star Wars fans, there was no toys, no new stuff coming out. Um, I used to um, get a catalog from Melbourne that would still have the price of uh, Star Wars toys. Hmm. I'd collect that and I'd circle things that I want but never actually got around to buying anything just because I'd have to spend money on, I guess, junk food and movies <laughs> for that week. Didn't have any money left. Well, you got to have priorities. That's yeah. right. <laughs> no one would expect anything different. <laughs> and did, where did superhero comics come in? Uh, well, I, having said that, like it's it, it stopped about that age but then I discovered – and this was later on, I guess, in the late 90s was Alan Grant's run and, and Norm, is it Bray Fogel? I always wonder how you pronounce mm. that surname. Mm. Their run on comics at the end um, of or the start of the 90s again. So I guess I just finished school and and started collecting back issues of, of the Batman from, from those two guys. And I just found out that I'd missed a few things as well, like Justice League International mm. that happened in that time. And I thought, oh, I have to collect this. This is funny. This is this is um, a fun read. This is this is how I'd like superheroes to behave, you know, behind the scenes sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. This is what happens when they're not saving kids from fires and the rest of it. So the big influence to get back in was Justice League International um, and The Watchmen. I, I rediscovered The Watchmen okay. when it first came out. This is too deep for a uh, twelve-year-old. Yeah. I I didn't understand the concepts no. uh, and. What exactly was going sure. on? I was a bit older than you, but I remember. I think I'm pretty sure owning the first issue of Watchmen when it originally came out, and kind of thinking, ah, "I don't get it." <laughs> so, mm. I know, yeah, you sort of bluff your way through it, going, "Oh, have you read the Watchmen?" Yeah, yeah I did, but uh, I don't understand what's going <laughs> on. <laughs> now, we've we've talked a couple of times in the main podcast about uh, your love of Blue Beetle. Um, the Ted mm-hmm. Grant version and kind of like Aquaman is my guy and Firestorm is Eli's guy. Um, Ted, Ted's your guy. Is that right? Yep. And does, does that come from that, that time of discovering JLI or? Yeah, definitely. I was, I can't say that I was a hardcore fan from the start, but uh, seeing his relationship with Booster in Justice League International and the fact that he'd go out of his way to invent gadgets that were non-lethal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, light guns and air blasts from his uh, pistols. I thought, oh, well, that's a really sort of neat concept. It sort of offset Batman at that period where Batman was um, pretty, in the late 80s to early 90s, pretty yeah. violent uh, kind of character. He'd lost Robin. Mm. Um, he was brooding and he was he was uh, smashing people <laughs> whenever he got the <laughs> chance. It was, it was a great read, don't get me wrong, but it sort of offset it. As well, and I always hated when Batman was mean to Blue Beetle when he'd ask him a question as well, <laughs> or he didn't have time for Ted. That's interesting. So I guess we focused on the different things that you know have brought you into toy collecting. Where where does the toy collecting begin? We know that you know your kind of first collection was Smurfs, um, but mm-hmm. then 
you know, was Masters of the Universe something that was a first for you in terms of collecting action figures, or is that Star Wars, or? I think I think um, Masters of the Universe and Star Wars are around the same period of time. I think um, too young to sort of collect figures when the first two movies came out, but I remember getting a lot of stuff from Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. um, heaps of Ewoks and, and Luke in the in the in the dark dark sort of Jedi gear and Slave Leia. So I think. Um, Star Wars and Masters of the Universe at the same time. And plus, I remember a knockoff line of G.I. Joe that was available in Woolworths and they were 12-inch uh, soldiers oh. and they just had, yeah, um, whole uniforms, but they had machine guns and helmets and you could, in that stage, I guess there was there was Nazi guys as well that would have been not allowed these at these days, you know, <laughs> I'm not allowed to remember that kind no, of no, thing, no. but... No, no, no. But they had Nazi soldiers and um, American GIs and Australian had slouch hats. And I remember clicking those a fair bit as well. So when you you kind of stopped um, doing the the comic thing as a a late adolescent, um, you stopped collecting the toys as well at that point? Yeah, basically. But you kept your – I know you kept your Masters of the Universe collection, didn't you? Yes, and and the original Star Wars okay. as well. And so, when, yeah. when did you rediscover it? What's that point where, you know, as a as an a fully fledged adult, you decided to become a toy collector? Okay, it was the late nineties again, and this is a bit of a weird one as well. But um, Star Wars, they brought a Star Wars line out, which were basically all the characters, but they were in this sort of like bendy bendy form. Do you remember when you could get Pink Panther toys, oh, yeah. and they were that? Like, yeah, they were like okay. that. I was thinking, this is that is weird. That is weird. <laughs> yeah, and I thought, oh no, I'm not interested in this. This is this is baby stuff. But I remember a couple of years past that, they brought out um, Star Wars figures again, late '90s. I can't remember exactly when, um, but they all came out in the in the buff version, so you could get a buff Luke and a buff hand, <laughs> <laughs> and they were a bit different. But I saw those and thought, oh, okay, well these will fit in well with the old collection. And I started getting bits and pieces to fill in. Um, to my original collection, and I think basically from the late nineties up until now, Star Wars hasn't stopped mm. in in any year releasing. Mm. But then, and are you still collecting Star Wars? I, n- okay. No, no. I, the only grid I don't ha- I have about not collecting Star Wars these days is the Macquarie um, concept uh, figures they mm-hmm. released. I thought, if anything, I should have I should have got those, but I didn't. I just thought, oh well, I'm not going to start concentrating on Star Wars again. Too many other lines that I collect yeah. now. But and, and being further as an adult, further along, when the first wave of Marvel Legends came out and I saw the articulation and the sculpt, how heavy they were in the packaging, thinking, well, these aren't these aren't for kids. Mm. I, I knew sort of then they this is sort of like an an adult collection and wasn't expecting uh, Marvel Legends to go on. I thought <laughs> maybe they're just going to release all the main characters. I get rid of the big hit, uh, sorry, the heavy hitters like Hulk and Thor. Et so you didn't know what you were actually getting into when you started it. <laughs> no, no. Although they looked nice to get a main representative of all the uh, main characters, and then I remember seeing um, Black Panther when Black Panther was was seen, and I um, I can't remember exactly, but he was on that base, mm. which is the despised base, you know, that Wonder Man yes. yeah. base. But before that. I don't think that base had been uh, released. So when I saw it, I was thinking, oh, that's 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 a great figure, that Black Panther. And I waited for ages for it to come mm. out. 
And when it did, being so underwhelmed, thinking this is this doesn't fit, and then realizing that Marvel Legends had issues with scale and the rest of it at that stage, yeah. but I kept on, kept on collecting them, uh, and that was my main reintroduction, I guess, to um, to adult collecting Marvel Legends. And one. at what point did you start displaying them? I displayed them straight mm-hmm. away, and I displayed with with the base, so. You know, it used to take a lot of a lot of room. Then I remember thinking, "Well, my books are all in my bookshelf. <laughs> I I don't want to give this too many shelves." Uh, and thinking maybe at the end, you know, looking across, going, "This is a great collection. Three shelves. I hope I hope it ends soon." Because <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to start putting my books in boxes downstairs. Thinking, "I don't I don't really want to do this. It's it seems like a betrayal." <laughs> <laughs> and how much space and, does it take up now? Oh, one whole room, okay. <laughs> one whole spare bedroom. Right. Yeah. So, as a you know, you're you're a married man and you're you're a dad. Um, you know, how did your your partner respond to the the developing collection and the amount of space that it was taking up? Uh, fortunately, we do actually live in a big house, so that was okay. Um, at that stage, we didn't have three yeah. kids. We had no kids, and you know, the collection grew. And God bless her; she's been quite accepting. She gets on, she gets on my back sometimes, which is understandable. Um, but I have to remember to just to balance things out. And I don't like coming into the toy room unless I've done a lot of activities with the kids for the mm-hmm. day. So it sort of offsets it. I like, I like sort of uh, making them tired. So I get a bit of reward to come in here <laughs> once in a while to <laughs> look at things. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good strategy, isn't it? So for yourself as a collector, you mentioned before you don't collect Star Wars now. What are the, the boundaries around your collection in terms of the main things that you are collecting at the moment? Okay. Well, the things I collect now are Marvel Legends. Um, I have everything basically in the back catalogue that I could uh, want at all uh, at this stage so when Marvel Legends came out again I thought okay well I hesitated for a little while because you know more dollars have to be spent um, <laughs> at this stage <laughs> big money <laughs> DC Universe but it's up in the air at the moment so we don't know if that's what's happening yes. there um, Masters of the Universe Classics and if there's ever an in-between time that uh, that collections aren't coming out I sort of focus on vintage uh, Masters of the Universe and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles a little bit. I don't want to get carried away with uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles just because there is so much to collect. I think there's over 200 or so characters. Yeah. So, yeah, they're the, they're, the, they're the boundaries I set. I, I like to keep, keep it to um, superhero if I yeah. can uh, and Justice League, but that's, that's basically finished at this stage mm-hmm. as well. And in terms of the things that sit kind of on the fringe of that, that you might buy, you know, bits of, but you don't collect religiously, mm-hmm. what, what does that include? I collect some Hellboy stuff as well. I have some, I like Army of Darkness uh, characters as well. Like I've got Ash and a few of the Deadites as well from the movies. Now, basically looking around as well, I, I back collected Earthworm Jim just because I love that video game when it first came <laughs> out and the animated series as well. So I have that as well. But um, keep I sort of keep the, the focus on Marvel Legends and DC Universe if I can at, at this stage. Mm. 
and things that you would collect if you had unlimited time, money, space. Well, the statues, bone statues that come out, listening to you guys talk about them every week. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's good or bad. And the hot toys, what hot toys are doing at the moment is ridiculous in the, in the amount of um, sculpting and, and the actual articulation and the add-on extras you get with Hot Toys figures is incredible. Yeah. So when we talk about those higher-end pieces, like what mm-hmm. you just mentioned, do, do they feature in your collection at all? No, not at this stage. I have a four-year-old boy who likes to be very hands-on with everything. He's full of testosterone, and I don't think I could trust anything like that in the house. Yeah. I'd have to watch him like a hawk yeah. uh, even more intently than I do now. It's, it's interesting <laughs> talking about that because you mentioned um, recently when we were recording that when we talked about the Masters of the Universe Wind Raider that, um, mm-hmm. that your boy had played with it. Um, so, you know, what sort of a, and that I'm a dad of two girls, um, who have always been really good at knowing, you know, you don't touch daddy's toys, you know, and they're there to look at, et cetera. So how, how do you deal with that as a parent in terms of, you know, making it something inclusive for him, but still looking after your stuff? Oh, okay. I, I give him the extras. Like he has a whole box of, uh, justice league unlimited Mm -hmm. figures that he can play with, and plus he has uh, doubles of figures that so, I have. So you'd have about so, 400 Supermen and 400 Batman. Yeah, he does, basically. <laughs> he does. So he doesn't really have to come into the toy room that much, but if we've just seen an episode of uh, Brave and the Bold or something like the Avengers cartoon that, when it was on or the uh, Young Justice, he watches that with me as well. If he can see, if it's in his eye line and he's seen it on the show, that is his new favourite character. Okay. So he'll mm-hmm. ask, can I play with Green Arrow? Can I play with Flash? He, he loves Flash. He thinks he's the Flash. Every time he gets a new pair of sneakers, he tells me that he's Flash shoes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's quite interesting when he comes in and says to me, oh, Dad, can I play with Aquaman or Green Arrow? I think, oh, okay, just been paying attention. That, that's very good. <laughs> we'll see again. <laughs> oh, well, that's a, that's a good, good approach. Yes. And... Doesn't do any of your other children share any of your interests? They used to. They're heading rapidly into their teenage years when I started collecting Marvel Legends, and it was going through that sort of mid-series part when it was harder to find in, in at retail in Australia. I used to collect online, so a big box would uh, turn up on the doorstep once in a while, and they'd help me actually put the builder figures together. Together, I should well, say. That's fun. And yeah, it is. They would uh, help me do that. And then they ask about the characters and so forth. But now they, they have no interest really in, in that kind of thing. They still watch the the cartoons that come out, The Brave and the Bold, and they did they do like Young Justice. Yeah. And they do ask a bit about the characters still, but, you know, going to teenage girl years, they're not really that interested anymore. <laughs> now, you mentioned collecting online. Um <clears throat> Where did you first start interacting with the online toy collecting world? Where did that begin for you? I I saw a small. Uh, I was very late to the internet as well. I didn't I didn't even get set up on the internet to about two thousand and two. Oh, okay. So I was I was dragging my feet <laughs> as I do with most most things as well. I had a huge video cassette collection. I went no. I don't want to change. I have all these. I'm not getting rid of any of these movies. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw a small clipping in a paper saying that um, He-Man, He-Man 
that was before 2000 series was going to make a reappearance. Mm-hmm. And I think we just got the internet on. I did a, a Google search and came up to um, He-Man Org. Okay. And that's one of the first, I think that is the first um, site I joined. It was a now defunct um, website in Australia at that stage. It was called Oz Figures. Mm-hmm. And that was the actual first message board that I joined and found that the same people in Australia had frustration in collecting figures, but it'd also be good if they were in your area as well because they could uh, point you in the right direction where they'd seen. Uh, in that stage, it was just Marvel Legends. was nothing else, so it was sort of set up for Marvel Legends and they'd give you hints to where in Sydney they'd, they'd found the new wave or the new wave would come out and I was commuting at those at, at that stage so I, I could, had the freedom to go and have a look at some times, mm. but Oz figures and He-Man all were the first ones I joined. Okay. And, and wh- yeah. where where did that lead to in terms of you know what what you found now in in terms of the toy message board community? Uh, well, if if I think about it, I then joined all all the big sites like the Fush and the rest of it. Um, but then I don't know. When I started, it was uh, not as mean-spirited as it is now. <laughs> Yes, yeah. I don't, I, I don't like branching too far from AFB these days. Mm. And, and there's another Australian site, Ozfigurama. I sort of stay around there. I don't have an online presence in other areas except a couple of customizing uh, websites. Mm. But, yeah, I, I think it's it's become mean-spirited and I, I don't like getting into arguments online. I think it's futile. I'm just there to read about my favourite uh, characters and so forth. <laughs> I don't have time. I, I'm, it's too hectic in real life to worry about that kind of thing. Indeed, there's enough conflict out there without seeking it out on the internet, True. isn't there? 100%. So I asked this question you know, of other people and it's a bit of a, I guess, a bigger picture one, but you know, how does this hobby make you a better person? How does it, you know, what, what does it bring to you that makes you better for it? I think there's real no deep and meaningful thing. I just think I like seeing these characters brought to life from, from comic books. I don't think it goes any deeper than that for mm. me. I don't, I'm, I don't have many vices <laughs> uh, apart from food. <laughs> I like eating a lot, but I don't uh, hardly ever drink. I don't smoke, never have really uh, smoke. That is. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I don't know. It's it's just the thing of comic book figures coming to life and appearing on my shelves in all various poses and, and colour. Yep. That's about it. So it provides that outlet. Yeah. It does. Now, you also make your own figures. I do sometimes, so yes. W- when did that begin for you as a, as a customiser? Because you're quite a talented one. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, I think it started when the, I, f- I filled in the sort of need that I, I wanted oh, that doesn't make sense so I wanted to uh, find a Judge Dredd figure online mm-hmm. and I couldn't really find anything this we're talking about the real early days there was some tiny little plastic things that weren't were Judge Dredd branded but they had no articulation or anything like that so I just made a Judge Dredd figure out of a, a Punisher mm-hmm. Punisher from Marvel Legends and it sort of happened from there I got some good feedback and and got some good. I actually won a prize once on Toy Newsy when they gave you money for uh, uh, custom of the oh, week. Wow. Yeah, and I was able to buy a face off 
uh, when it first came out, the Hulk and Captain America series. So that was that was good. But just basically to fill holes in collection. Like I knew we weren't going to get Watchmen figures, so I made a couple of those. I made some Justice League Avengers crossover sort of figures as well. And it was just basically to fill holes in the collection. I like the C-grade characters more than anything else. I made Rage from Avengers in his in his big vest that had Rage on the back, just in case he forgot who he was. <laughs> and Star Fox and US Agent <clears throat> and, and guys like that who are always in the background, never get the light of day. They're the guys I like. <laughs> and so is that what still guides like you're customising now? Is just filling, filling gaps in the collection? Yes. I, I don't want to – but see, when Marvel Legends came out, I don't want to go into customizing too much anymore because I think they're eventually going to come out. If we get an Armanzola, my goodness, they're going to give us anything. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so if 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 they say, okay, that's it, no more Marvel Legends, then I'll start customizing to fill in the gaps again. <laughs> I don't want to be caught out spending all that uh, time on a figure and then they bring out something that's obviously going to be uh, better than, than what I can do so I can put it on the shelf. So when you are customising, what's your process like? How long does it normally take you and what's the starting point? Not that long. There's a few people post rules and what they do to customising. I don't follow any of them really. <laughs> I don't I don't prime. I still use Super Sculpey, which is a big no-no because it cracks apparently. Um, I don't really go with the guidelines. If I usually, if I put time and effort into it, I can have it finished basically within a week. If I, if I sit down at night when the, when the house is quiet, I can um, get them basically done in about a week's time if I really wanted to. And where, where does uh, that take place for you? Um, usually all around if I'm watching TV. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just have it in front of me. Uh, sometimes I have to go back on the internet if it's a really obscure character, yes. print off a few a few bits and pieces as to what their arms, their gauntlets, that kind of thing, how long their hair was, that those kind of details. But um, <clears throat> not not too easy. Well, I not distracted, so I can do basically those two things at the same time <laughs> to go back and forth. But I have no real set area all around the house. My wife will say, "What is that sitting on the table?" <laughs> I'll say, "Oh, nothing. Just give it here. I'll put it away now." <laughs> and, and if you look back at the different customs that you've done, what would be the one that you are proudest of? I like I like the comedian figure I made from The Watchmen. Okay. I think that's one that surprised even me to see how good it actually turned out. I made Booster Gold and Blue Beetle at one stage, but then DCUC came out and it was much better. I used Marvel Legend base and to have to have them in form as they were with DC Universe Bucks, it was so much better than what I had them all. I had uh, them both on bullseye bodies and it just it didn't work. Mm. Yeah, it didn't work. And so it, things like that come along as well. Obviously, the DC Universe Buck, I like it a lot more to work with because it's not super articulated. Yeah, it's easier to I'm not customize that, with. Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying I don't love super articulated figures, just better to, to work with in, in a painting sort of hmm. sense. And I don't really go into taking joints out and preventing paint rub and that sort of thing. I I do my own things like use super glue on a toothpick so I don't have to go and, and sand and those kind of things. Mm. 
I do different kind of things. I'm quite lazy. If it's an easier way to do it, that's the way I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, ultimately, you're making it for yourself, so that's you've got it. to please yourself. Yeah, I never, I, I haven't sold anything. I've done a few commissions that people have asked me to do, mm. but I've never actually looked at anything and thought, oh, I'll put that on eBay to make some money out of it. I just, I make them for mm. me. Do you yeah. have a, a paint that you prefer? No, once again, not really. If it's cheap and nasty and I can <laughs> get my hands on it, that's what I'll use. <laughs> I, like I said, I don't follow any of the rules. I just go and buy paintbrushes that I know I can throw away after I've used mm. them. I don't. It's I buy the, the stuff that's uh, the folk art stuff, which is the cheapest, the cheapest paint on the market, the acrylic cheap paint. I don't buy any. Um, I think it's Citadel or... Uh, I forget names of other mm. paints, but I I just use cheap and nasty stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and what's your output like? Like what you know in a, I guess in a given year, mm. how many customs are you likely to do? I've really slowed down. I I because three kids now, so many more activities. Mm. What's for dinner, Dad? Those kind of things. <laughs> I don't have time <laughs> as I like. Um, but I I'd say. Probably in the last couple of years, probably only maybe four or five customs a year. Before that, I'd do anything about probably about 20 to 25. That's, uh, as other things come along, it takes up a lot of your well, that's time. Still, that's you still a pretty significant output, really. Yeah, I, I like to. I don't. Sometimes I feel guilty about spending too much time in this hobby, like I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. So I think if everyone's asleep in bed and the house is quiet, then I can have some time to myself to do things that I'd like to do. Fair enough. Yeah. It's all about finding that balance, isn't it? It certainly is. Well, look, I think that we've um, we've learned a fair bit about you as a collector and, you know, what influenced you, what what uh, you do now. I guess just to, you know, start wrapping things up, if you had to pick some favourite pieces for your co- from your collection, um, you know, kind of say three or four, um, what would they be if you were only were able to kind of take a handful away from what you've got now? What would you keep? I think uh, the the figures I'd take away, I guess I'd liked the first series of Marvel Legends I've mentioned before, the Iron Man that came out, mm. because that's my Iron Man. I, I didn't really read Iron Man later on when he was had went through different things. I, I was an Iron Man fan before he became an alcoholic, so <laughs> <laughs> I like that original Iron Man um, costume. Hmm. If it's yeah, and I like also like the face-off uh, Hulk we got, hmm. the original one. In the, I forget who he's with now, but I like that Hulk is I think the best Hulk that we'll ever get. Hmm. Uh, I really like the Plastic Man, the San Diego Plastic Man that came out. I think that's a really well done figure, and those extras are just um, icing on the cake. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> yeah, Plastic Man, you know, he got a bit of resurgence when uh, Brave and the Bold. I forgot what a fun character <laughs> he was, and they really, they really brought that character a lot to life in that cartoon. And I thought, well, yeah, that's they really someone really cares about Plastic Man the way they've shown him on screen. Yes. Remember when he was singing Yankee Doodle Dandy with Batman? <laughs> Did you ever see his? Remember when he had his own um, cartoon? I do. Did you ever watch that? I, think, I yeah. did. I did, and like I said to you, I forgot yeah. what a fun character yeah. he was. Yeah. Uh, there's so many that I could go through, but 
original Masters of the Universe, He-Man on on Battle Cat. I think is um, so. You would you would choose the original over the the remake. I would just because the original meant it was one of the first toys I ever got. Hmm. So I think the original at this stage, yes, is his number it one a, out of the. It yeah. has a significance <laughs> for you. It yeah. does. And Necker Turtles, you know, those four that came out very hard to get for Australians. I don't think the rest of the world realizes <laughs> how hard it, how hard they were to get down here. I think they were brought brought to life from the comic book. Actually, stepped out of the pages of the comic book. Do you have any unusual pieces of your collection? Anything you know that kind of doesn't fit the the mold of the rest of what you have that you, that you really like? Yeah, I mentioned before Earthworm Jim. I have the whole set of Earthworm Jim characters that came out. Um, I also have some. T- uh, I went to Disneyland and got some. Uh, Indiana Jones carded figures oh. that I, I forgot to mention the other day was still kept on the card. Uh-huh. I found them the other day, so there you go. <laughs> Just never got around to opening them. <laughs> That's following up from our to open or not to open discussion. It okay, is. Okay, there you go. Also have uh, a couple of the movie masters. I think Ben's talked about them before, but I have The Crow. I thought that was a – I really liked that movie and I remember being distraught when Brandon Lee was killed on set because I was a huge Bruce Lee fan. And I think it was around around the same time that Dragon, that Bruce Lee movie came out about the curse. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was like basically six months later, Brandon Lee had been shot. Mm-hmm. And I think those two movies overlapped each other for some reason. So you have the movie masters, Crow. I do. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I also have some E.T. stuff. Uh, I have a cat dog plush toy. Remember, I don't know if people out there know a cartoon called Cat Dog. Mm-hmm. I know Cat Dog, yes. And that was a great... Go back to the E.T. stuff. What E.T. stuff do you have and how did that come about? Uh, E.T., I saw that um, basically the day it came out in 1982, being in Australia, that is, being scared beyond belief, <laughs> dealing with themes that were over my seven-year-old head. I have some plush E.T. stuff. I have some stuff from when Toys R Us... Had some had some deal with uh, ET's twenty fifth anniversary, and they they bought huge amounts of uh, ET stuff that only came out in Toys R Us, and I snapped up a lot of that. Mm. And when I mentioned before this, when I went to Disneyland, I actually won that on the back of a twenty fifth anniversary ET uh, competition they had running. I had to send in a, a top of a, especially my bag of popcorn. Well, you won the trip. Yes. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's we won it from from ET. Basically, ET. Thanks to ET, we were able to go to America. <laughs> that is amazing. What year was that? Uh, two thousand and two. Okay. Only sent in one one top of one Uncle Toby's. I think it was popcorn. Amazing. And yeah, got to go to Universal Studios, Disneyland, and we had savings, and we blew all our savings. <laughs> Touring around America for a month. That's fantastic. Yeah, thinking that, well, if this has landed in our lap, why don't we just make the most of it? We're not going to go there for a week and then come back. It's not not worth it. So we stayed over there for close to five weeks. What a great opportunity. I'm glad I asked more about (laughs) ET. 
Yeah, so holds holds a special place in my heart, ET. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, Justin, it has been great to chat to you. Um, you know, it's even for um, us who you know know each other on one level pretty well. It is um, been fun doing these just to find out a little bit more. And, you know, and the thing that I've enjoyed about it is it's not just about you know, what toys you have, but it's, you know, your life experience and a bit more about who you are as a person. So thank you very much for um, taking the time to share with us tonight. It's greatly appreciated. Not a problem. Once again, thanks for having me. And I really enjoy being part of these, um, the podcast and thanks for this opportunity. It's been great. Pleasure. Well, look, we'll be back in just a moment with some details about how you can contact us if you would like to know a bit more. brings us to the end of another episode of the AFB Q&A. I hope that you've enjoyed listening this evening and that you might consider coming back again to hear more. You can hear more episodes of the AFB Q&A or of the regular Action Figure Blues podcast by going to actionfigureblues.com and clicking on the podcast tab or by subscribing to iTunes. We put all of our podcasts in the same feed so you can get both the regular AFB podcast and the Q&A episodes by subscribing to Action Figure Blues podcast at iTunes. If you do go there, please take the time to leave us a positive rating and review. While you are at actionfigureblues.com, you might like to check out the reviews and the articles that are there and perhaps visit some of our sponsors like Mike's Comics and stuff, Big Bad Toy Star and PopCulture.com who all help keep the lights on and keep the site running. When we're not podcasting or blogging or doing other assorted hobby-related activities, you can find both Justin and myself at the Action Figure Blues Forum. I post there at, as Andy, and Justin posts as Night Owl, and the address for that is afbforum.com, and we'd love for you to come and join in the conversation. We'd also love to hear from you with any comments about these episodes um, by emailing podcast at actionfigureblues.com or you can join the AFB forum and tell us there. And finally, you can follow Action Figure Blues on Twitter at AFBlues and you can like the Action Figure Blues page on Facebook at facebook.com slash actionfigureblues. Once again, thank you very much, Justin. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you everyone for listening and we will see you again shortly. Farewell. Good night.